Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to the Mind Poppers podcast, a place that exists outside of time and space, a place for dark-minded individuals to gather and get their dose of some weekly fucked up shit. Now, some housekeeping before we get into the Mind Poppers that I have set out for this episode. We do have a new email now for listener mail, mindpopperspod at gmail.com. Think of it as a dump, if you will any listeners of the podcast happen upon some fucked up shit they need some uncensored advice or anything of the dark sorts feel free to dump it in to the mailbox which we will check every couple of episodes and see what is happening with you guys in other news we have an instagram now yes a place of congregation for all of those who listen to the mind poppers podcast at Mind Poppers Pod at Instagram. Get into it. Of course, I have got some terrifying and salacious Mind Poppers for you this episode. We're going to look at Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, maybe why we should not be jumping for joy at the new president-elect and his vice president. Don't worry, it's not too political, just sharing some of their more shady past dealings. We're also going to look at the big emergence of these game shows a couple of years ago that focused on hooking contestants up to lie detector tests. We're going to find out about why apparently it turned out that it wasn't such a good idea and what controversy led to the fall of these game shows. Also, I'm going to try and teach you guys how to pass a lie detector test. Who knows when one of us may find ourselves being hooked up to a lie detector test, a polygraph test, for whatever reason. But don't worry, we are going to get through it and we are going to pass. Also, I'm going to look at how much it takes to hit out. By that I mean, how much does it cost to hire a hitman in each country, just in case you are so inclined to have somebody whacked. And finally, we are going to look at hell, a place where a lot of us are going to end up, probably. In particular, Dante's Nine Circles of Hell. For those of us who do end up going to hell, what is that going to look like? And don't worry, of course, I have also done the research into how we are getting out of hell. What options do we have to get ourselves out? Okay, let's start right off with the election, you guys. And look, I don't mean to piss on anybody's parade. I really do not, okay? I get it, you know, President Trump is out allegedly, you know, and nature is healing, you know, and look, nobody wanted President Trump out of office more than me, thought he was deplorable, I thought he was disgusting, and I thought he really created a bad name for orange people everywhere, but the thing is, you know, and the thing is that really, like, boggles my mind is seeing people 
jump for joy at new president-elect Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, you know? Like, people are stunning these bitches, you know? And if you're not familiar with internet vernacular, stunning is a word used to, you know, when you're a super fan of someone, you know, when you big, big, big these people up. And I'm here to tell you that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are not worthy of your stunning. Okay, because both of them have a shady past, as it turns out, you know, a less than spectacular record, you know. Joe Biden is, you know, has a name for being a bit of a warmonger, you know, as well as being the father of a hot crackhead son. But I guess, sorry, someone's flicking fucking light switches behind me. Um, The thing is, you know, Joe Biden is a bit of a warmonger. And, you know, people are very quick to forget Joe Biden's um, role that he played in the Iraq war. All right. You know, so he was at the time, I think this is back maybe 2002, 2003. Um, he was chair of the Senate. OK, which is one of the bodies of government in the United States. But he was the chair of the Senate um, and he was the chair of the Senate Committee on Foreign Affairs, Foreign Relations. So he was dealing directly with things like the country going to war. <clears throat> So in his talks, he was able to choose 18 witnesses in the main Senate hearings in Iraq. And he mainly, unsurprisingly to most, supported a pro-war position in this committee that he had formed. Now the thing is, okay, and the research has shown, that Iraq was invaded under the basis that they were holding out um, nuclear arms of mass destruction and the fact that president-elect at the time, Saddam Hussein, was encouraging um, terrorist groups like Al-Qaeda. Now, information is widely available, and this isn't some, quite a cons- some sort of conspiracy theory. This is just the truth. As it turns out, Iraq was not sitting on any weapons of mass destruction, you know, as a big shock to the US government, but too little too late, it was already invaded. Not only was it not sitting on nuclear weapons of mass destruction, but Iraq didn't even possess missiles at the time with the capability of reaching US soil. So America was kind of dumbfounded at this point because it had invaded, but you know, nothing that they said had arrived. And at the same time, these allegations against um, President Saddam Hussein saying that, you know, he was supporting this, you know, terrorist group Al-Qaeda. Well, it turns out there was nothing of the sort. According to researchers and people there on the scene and people who are well more aware of the going-ons of political Iraq than I am, have came out and said that President Saddam Hussein actually detested as much as anyone these small groups, these small terrorist groups. So it leads us to the point, why would the US, why would the US, you know, under Joe Biden's word, invade Iraq like this? Well, it didn't turn out so good for Iraq because this war, you know, this war, which really at the end of the day resulted in nothing, was for nada, um, ended up in one million innocent Iraqis dead. You know, this unprovoked invasion, it completely destabilized Iraq. And not only that, but it actually grew. You know, it contributed to the growth of widespread terrorism. 
you know? As in, because this country really had nothing to hide, yet the US invaded anyway, and there's a lot of shady things around why Biden said that he was going to do this, but it was too late he did it. We have millions of dead, innocent Iraqi people. We now have a country whose economy has been completely destroyed, turned to rubble. And not only that, but because of Biden and the US government's involvement, we've seen the rise, you know, of these big terrorist groups who, you know, were going to lash out back, obviously, at its oppressors, which would be the Americans. Um, And it gave birth to the likes of ISIL and ISIS. You know, so there you go. Thank you, Joe Biden, for that. But, you know, you guys won't believe, you know, shockingly enough, Iraq is, you know, famous worldwide for its massive untapped wells of oil. You know, that incredibly valuable substance that the US constantly goes and takes from other countries in the name of peace. Well, that's exactly what they did. In December 2002, the US imported 1.3 million barrels of of oil from Iraq. You know, very good day for the US, not so good for all the dead Iraqians. And in the same vein, we can look at Kamala Harris, okay? Queen Kamala Harris definitely has her issues with prison reform, okay? Obviously, she is someone who has been active in the American court system for quite some time. Um, But in 2011, Californian Supreme Court demanded the release of 33,000 inmates over the period of two years. And the reason the US or the Californian Supreme Court demanded this was because um, of overcrowding. The prisons just weren't capable of holding the amount of people that were incarcerated. So this overcrowding resulted in starvation, in the inhumane treatment of people, and then, of course, death. But Harris's lawyers fought this in court, saying that it would be a massive loss to their cheap labor pool. So if some of you aren't aware, the US like to use their incarcerated inmates as a form of cheap labor. You know, and there was also reports coming out around the time of the California wildflowers, wildfires, excuse me, that Kamala Harris actually delayed the release of 40,000 inmates who were due for release anyway because she needed that cheap labour. And you know what, I guess one of the most annoying things for me and Kamala Harris is the fact that it was her stance on marijuana. And look, I get it, a lot of people are just living on that lower vibration and aren't necessarily pro-marijuana. But the thing is, Kamala Harris is being responsible, okay, for the incarceration of a lot of people, especially a lot of young African-Americans, you know, with small charges relating to marijuana. But then, uh, you know, uh, coming up in, in the last couple of months, you know, for this big election race, you know, she was asked in one of these, like, interviews, like, I don't know, I guess, you know, like, one of these, like, fun kind of, like, Cosmo interviews that you see, like, these politicians doing, you know, it would, you know, to win over the people's favour and that. And she was asked, has she ever smoked marijuana? To which she laughs back, um, admitting, you know, that she did. And, like, they're talking about, like, rappers and all this shit. Like, you know, we're getting, like, cool Kamala. Like, Kamala is so fucking cool, man. She's one of the people. And you know what? It, just to be honest, I was like, oh, well, fuck you, Kamala. You know, sitting there laughing about, you know, how you used to be smoking it up, you know, like a, re- like a regular old Fogahontas. 
you know, and then, you know, laughing it all the way to the bank while you have all these young people in jail mm. for the same thing that you're laughing about right now. That don't sit right with me. But what don't sit right with me, you know, on a big or wider scale is ever since these election results came out and we found out that it had gone to the Democrats and Biden and Kamala, you know, had won it. The thing is, we've seen like this massive surgeons of like these like super fans these joe biden like and kamala harris super fans like i'm going onto instagram and twitter and seeing fucking like videos like fan-made videos of kamala harris like walking down some steps with like doja cat's boss bitch playing in the background you know like i'm a boss i'm a bitch while kamala harris you know is rocking it on down silicon valley in whatever fucking pantsuit she's wearing and you know what the thing is I'm like, you cannot treat these people like celebrities. I can understand and I can make peace with that this election, you know, on at least on a surface level, was about voting for the lesser of two evils. But remember, okay, the lesser of two evils, the winner, you know, is still evil nonetheless, okay? These are people that have blood on their hands. These aren't people that we should be up, you know, boss bitch Kamala Harris, like, yes, potentially the first woman of colour to bomb Iraq, you know? This isn't something we should be celebrating, you know? And the same with Joe Biden. And now I can understand why you guys are, you know, feeling a bit relieved. I do. I understand that. I understand the relief because we've just gone from racism and now we're back to good old diet racism you know but you can be relieved and all that but what I'm saying is do not put these politicians up on a pedestal if anything they have both shown and I would say this you know on a wider scale of all politicians have shown that you know at the heart of hearts it seems to be more self-serving and less about the people so we have to stop You know, we have to stop, guys, creating videos of Kamala Harris walking around to boss bitch music. It's just not going to cut it. And the same with, you know, Joe Biden, okay? These people aren't our heroes, okay? These are people who have done some terrible things in the past, okay? So keep a close eye on them, okay? Again, we're not, like, up celebrating. Um... And you know what, I, I, I understand it. I do understand it, okay? Again, I'm not trying to piss on anyone's parade. And did you guys see that video of Kamala Harris? You know, she's just out for a jog, cool old Kamala. You know, when she gets out the phone, because she's obviously, I guess, heard the election results. She's like, Joe, Joey, oh, you did it, Joe. You're going to be the next president of the United States, Joey. Like he is like, you know, because do you know what I got from that? What I got from that was like Kamala Harris as Nurse Ratchet, you know, pushing Biden, you know, old Sleepy Joe along like the lawn of the White House, you know, him in his wheelchair being like, well, Joe, (laughs) Joe. And then, you know, uh, when she wants something and he's like, you know, not with it, she like threatens like to take his blanket or like let the, let the air out of his tires or something. You know, I'm getting a real nurse ratchet vibe off, uh, off Kamala. And the thing is, again, my only message is we cannot, like, we cannot stand these people. We cannot be like, yes, you know, we can't. Like, oh my God, Kamala Harris just, you know, blew up an Iraqi children's hospital. <laughs> yes, she can. You know, we can't fall into that trap, okay? We cannot. If anything, the US government has proven time and time again, Republican or Democrat, These people are not good people, 
But hey, me as much as anyone can enjoy the good show that American politics puts on. And we deserve a show, you know, at least something to focus on as the world burns around us, you know. And I would implore a Biden presidency to really, really include his son Hunter in that. Hunter, the crack addict who is addicted to coming in hookers. You know, I'm not sure how many hookers he's got pregnant, but there has been quite a few. And that, you know, I think would just be a perfect mix into this presidency. Now, moving away from liars and moving on to liars. A couple of years ago, we saw this big surge in these game shows, these TV game shows that involve contestants winning sums of money when they told the truth you know, in response to a question while being hooked up to a lie detector test. One of these shows was called The Moment of Truth. Um, I think that was the American incarnation. We actually had one in the in the UK and Ireland, which was actually hosted um, by Jerry Springer. And that was called Nothing But The Truth. And all these shows followed, you know, the, the, the same basic thing. Um, so like I was saying, one of these shows was called The Moment of Truth, where contestants, right, listen to this, um, a contestant, right, has one more question before winning the grand prize, which totaled $500,000. Um, so in this, in this clip that I'm about to play for you guys, all right, they show this lady, right, the question before the audience, so she knows the question um, and it's up to her if she wants to take it or not. Um, this woman is like clearly torn up. She's crying. She doesn't know what to do. Um, but I'm going to play the clip for you now. Do you believe your father, as an adult, has ever had sexual relations with a minor? Yes. That answer is... True. <laughs> okay. <laughs> In the clip, okay, it's just, do you know what? It, the, the, the question obviously was Has your father, do you believe that your father has ever had a sexual intercourse with a minor? So, someone who's underage, a child, I guess. You know, to which she answers, you know, true. And the audience erupts like, yeah! like absolutely delighted that she got it right that she got it right and then like kind of like mm, but what about you know having the whole sex with a child you know which it turns out he did now I think it turned out in some whatever they were I guess some sort of like strict Christian religion or whatever which you know kind of saw this like the girl was 17 by the by her father you know who was obviously probably three times her age married the 17 year old girl you know with permission from um this girl's parents and look you I don't know what state it was in but you can rest assured that there are certainly some states in the United States you know where this is allowed but it's just the cheering like yes yes that's fucking true you know that yes her father did yes fuck that child you know um so I really enjoyed that um but the thing is I mean like so obviously this woman had to answer this question and if she told the truth then she'd win the 500,000 and she did win the 500,000 so good for her but I don't think you know that there is a sum of money on this planet 
that would, you know, entice me into sitting down in front of not only my family and friends, because this woman's father and her mother and the family and friends were all there in that room, but to sit down in front of my family and not only that, but also, you know, millions of people watching at home hooked up to a polygraph test and asked a series of questions. You know, you could not pay me. You could not pay me any sum of money to get on that lie detector test in front of all those people, you know? My God, can you imagine the darkest secrets that you have, okay, possibly coming up in front of the fucking world? And what's the thing? If you refuse to answer the question, then that's basically admittance of guilt, isn't it? You know? Because if you have nothing to worry about, you're not going to answer the question. But... These shows, they were not long-lived. This was actually, um, all these shows actually kind of came from a TV show in Colombia, which was, you know, done with the same, which was done with the exact same format and I guess was used as a, as a tester before it made its way to the likes of the United States and Europe and what have you, and well, now the UK. Um, but basically, in this earlier, earlier incarnation of the show, um, which was airing in Colombia, um, and like people were so desperate for money, okay? As in like these these producers, you know, were not just dragging people off the street. Like they wanted the people who were desperate. And there was like a whole like array of like people, you know, admitting to these like scandalous things on this Colombian TV show in all in the name of money. Like some confessed to drug smuggling, others confessed to um, homosexual prostitution. Um which, you know, obviously is more scandalous than your regular old prostitution. And it is, isn't it? When you throw gay or homosexual into anything, it just makes it all that bit more scandalous, you know? Did you hear Susan's husband was having an affair? Okay, I'm interested. I'll bite. Did you hear Susan's husband was having a homosexual affair? Okay, now, Margaret, you've caught my attention. I want all the details down to the last cum drop. Um, but the, the life of these, um, lie detector shows was short lived and it all goes back to this show in Colombia. Okay. And it comes down to one contestant named Rosa Maria Solano, who admitted to hiring a hitman to kill her husband. She admitted this on the show. Um, which she was hoping to get the 25,000, you know, of course, Colombia had the smaller budget. These people were desperate for money. But poor old Rosa admitted that she, you know, paid a guy to take out or she paid to take out a hit on her husband. Okay. Um, which she said in this episode was the crime couldn't be carried out because the hitman tipped off my husband and he ran away forever. God save me. That is what she said. And you know what? First of all, I hope that she got her money back because wasn't really an efficient hitman, was it? He actually kind of did the opposite of what a hitman does. Um, and look, we're so we're so quick to always take the side of the person who had the hit taken out on them. You know, we don't know why poor old Rosa wanted her husband whacked. You know. Um, and look, we can tell that she's an honest person. She went on this show, you know, so there has to be some kind of reason. Um, and by the way, if you want to take out a hit in Colombia, if you want to hire a hitman to kill somebody, it usually goes for around 2,000 
dollars and four thousand dollars per hit you know which i think is quite reasonable planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. But since we're talking about hits or whatever, it had me intrigued. It had me intrigued because I wanted to know you know, how much does it cost, you know, if I wanted to take out a hit, and you know, we've seen a big, you know, like, surge in, you know, people going on, like, all this medical tourism or whatever, you know, getting boob jobs and hair transplant and getting their gnashers done and what have you, so I want to know, I want to be able to provide you guys with a list of countries that you can go to to get the best deal on taking a hit out on somebody. So this information was a list compiled from Haviscope. Um, it's a list they compiled for contract killings where they have taken like real testimonies and news reports to find how much it actually costs, you know, people with organized crime um, in different countries. So it starts off with Argentina. You want to have somebody whacked in Argentina, it's going to cost you around to $5,500. Again, not breaking the bank. If you want to go down under to kill your mate, in Australia, it will cost you $13,000 to $83,000. Okay, so we're talking bigger money here. In Bolivia, it's going to cost you between $4,000 and $15,000 to take out a hit. In Colombia, like I said, between $2,000 and $4,000, which does seem quite reasonable. In France and Monaco, it's going to cost you 330000 Again, the bloody French, of course, it's that expensive. In India and Mumbai, it's going to cost you between $35 to $900, which I think is exceptional, you know? Not only do the Indians do the best takeaways, but apparently they also do the best hits. In Italy, if you want to hire a mafia hitman, it's $3,700 for a kneecapping. And then it's the full $27,000 if you want to have somebody whacked. In Mexico, if you want uh, to target a police chief, okay, it will cost you just over 20 grand. Um, in Mexico, um, if you want to kill a teenage boy, it's going to cost you between $10,000 to $50,000. In Mexico, however, if you want to kill a teenage girl, it's $1,000, you know? My God, now that is value for money. And they say that women, you know, they say it's a man's world, but apparently not. 
Um, in the Philippines, if you want to hire the Philippine death squad, it is $110 per hit. And you get a whole fucking death squad for your $110. And that is real bang for buck. If I did want to have somebody murdered, I think I would contemplate going to the Philippines. In Spain, it's going to cost you around $27,000 to $69,000. Again, that is just completely ridiculous. In the United States and the United Kingdom, it's going to cost you a few hundred to $25,000. You know, you can presume, I mean, look, you can pay any crackhead off the street to go and kill somebody. But if I'm taking a hit out on somebody, I want to know that a bitch is going to get got, you know? So that, I guess it's, you know, truly it is bang for your buck. You know, you pay for what you get in terms of hitmen. Um, in the United States, okay, and the United States soldier, you can have a United States soldier killed, okay, for $5,000 by the Juarez drug cartel, okay, which seems quite reasonable. And if you want um, a United States soldier to do the killing, you can get a group of snipers for $800,000. And that's a group of three. Again, completely out of our budget. Now, a couple of things to note if you do find yourself being offered a position on one of these polygraph game show things, okay? Like, they're not just, you know, pulling old Billy Bob off the street, okay? They're going, you know, to have a whole hiring process. And if you do send in your audition tape or whatever, and they ask you to come forward for further interviewers, interviews, like trust and believe that these producers are doing everything in Satan's name to go through your life with a fine, um, what do people go through things with, a fine tooth comb? Um, and they're going to, if you have something to hide, some dark secret, then they are going to stumble across it. You think they would have let poor old Rosa trying to make a quick buck on that TV show if they hadn't already known that she tried to take a hit out on her husband, no. So if you do have something that lurks in your shadows, stay away from these shows because they will come to the light. Now, I don't think I would ever do well at hiring a hitman, you know, because yes, I am, I'm a cancer. I'm the kind of person that would hire a hitman 100%, but I'm also the kind of person who flip-flops and at the last minute would be like, no, 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 I don't want it. But you, you always see on these TV shows, these things are irreversible. And you know what? It would just be a big drama for me then, you know? It would be a big inconvenience for me. And I'm actually trying to reduce those at the moment in my life. But if you do find yourself at any point in time, be it on a game show competing for 500,000, or if it's the only thing keeping you out of prison, there are certain ways to pass a lie detector test, okay? Now, this is important information. And if you hear anything, if you hear one thing at all from this episode of the Mind Poppers podcast, let it be this, how to pass a lie detector test. <clears throat> um, and we're going to hear about the account of Tice Russell, okay? So he was the National Security Agency whistleblower who blew the lid open on all these warrantless uh, wiretapping conducted by the federal government <clears throat> on US citizens post 9-11. Um, <clears throat> and he says that he's taken between 12 and 15 polygraph tests during his nearly 20 year long government career. And it's important to keep in note, just FYI, that these polygraphs work by measuring and recording a person's physiological responses and changes in a person's pulse, 
breathing and blood pressure um, to lying versus telling the truth. So first Tithe says, a person can trick the tester on a probable lie questions. So during a polygraph's pre-test interview, the tester usually asks a person to answer questions where they are likely to lie. These include questions like, have you ever stolen money? Have you ever lied to your parents? Or have you ever cheated on a test? Most people have done these at least once, but lie about it. So the tester uses a person's response to a likely lie as a way to establish how a person physically reacts while lying. So Ty says to trick the tester, a person should lie in response to these questions like most other people would, but also bite their tongue hard while doing so, which will set off the physiological reactions in the body. The tester's needles will fly everywhere and he will think, this guy is a nervous Nelly. He has a strong physical reaction when he's lying. And there you have it, you're skewing the test, according to Tice. Tice says it's also easy to beat a polygraph while telling a real lie by daydreaming uh, to calm the nerves. So he says, think of a warm summer night or drinking a beer or whatever calms you. You're throwing them off, he says. The needle might nip a little because you're lying, but not off the church. Charts. Sorry, sometimes I really digress into this Sean Conru voice and I don't know where that comes from. And since the person has already convinced the tester that they have off the charts physiological reactions while lying, Ty says a small reaction likely won't tip off the tester. I mean, that is just great advice, isn't it? It seems that the trick to overcoming these lie detector tests, if you ever find yourself in this position is to immediately take control in the the likely to lie segment, you know, this pre-interview segment of your polygraph test. So basically it will trick the tester into thinking that, wow, you have really big reactions to lying when really you don't, you're just skewing the results. And then when it does come to lying, it's about daydreaming, it's about calming yourself, putting your mind elsewhere, so that even though you are lying still, you're going to get smaller level of, you know, this needle hopping up and down. And, it, you know, it looks like you're going to get away with it. You know, this information is going to serve me just as much as it's going to serve you. And moving on to our final mind popper of the episode. That is hell. In particular, Dante's Nine Circles of Hell, also known as Dante's Inferno. And I thought I would look into hell. In particular, what hell is going to look like for those of us, you know, those of us who lied on that test. Those of us who lie and end up going to hell. What is that going to be like? What can we expect going to hell? So Dante's Inferno he created these nine circles of hell, which basically is meant to give us a more in-depth picture of what a hell looks like, or at least a Christian hell. Uh, Dante was a prominent Italian poet, by the by, and he wrote this like 14,000 um, lined three-part epic poem called The Divine Comedy. Um, so basically, Dante divides hell into nine circles. So kind of divided up for your crime and what crime, you know, constitutes what circle you belong to. So circle one 
of hell is called limbo. And this is resided by virtuous non-Christians and unbaptized pagans. So basically, this is anyone who is not a Christian but could still be a good person. You're going to hell. Surprise, surprise. Circle one, bitches. You know, all you Hindus, all you Jews, you know, basically everyone who's not Christian. You could be the best person in the world. You could spend your life, you know, feeding the hungry. But according to this, your, your ass is going to hell. Circle number two is for those of us who get caught up in lust in our life, okay? And our punishment for being lusty people is circle two. The souls here are punished by being blown about violently by strong winds, preventing them to find peace and rest. And it kind of coincides, I think, with circle three, which is gluttony for all of us fat arses, all of us fatty magoos. You know, we'll be going to circle three. And in circle three, you can expect the souls here are punished by being blown. Oh, sorry. I'm back on circle two. Circle three, gluttony. Sinners light rotting away in a never ending icy rain overlooked by a worm monster, Kerberos. But you know what? I mean, I have to say circle two and circle three between the the souls, you know, being blown around violently by strong winds and then onto circle three with this never-ending icy rain. I mean, hello? Is this Ireland? You know? Circle two and circle three should be a fucking breeze for us because I feel like we have been living in it since day fucking dot, you know? Circle four is for greed. Circle four is the fourth circle of hell where all of you greedy bitches go. And we all know them. We all know those people who wouldn't spend Christmas, all right? Who would dig and dig and deep into those big long pockets and would find fucking nothing. These penny pinchers, okay? We all know them. Um, so the inha- the, these inhabitants have to drag about heavy weights and boulders with their chest all the time. And I think that's fair. You know, I am not one who is tight with money. I never have been, you know, I'm a giver, you know. Um, So I could see how greedy people, you know, deserve to be dragging around heavy weights and boulders with their chests all the time. You know, I can see that. Circle five is anger. It's where all you angry people go. All you people who like to spit in people's mouths and choke people during sex. This is where y'all end up, okay, in circle five. This is the wrath, the wrathful fight each other on the surface of the river sticks. Okay, so all you people who are violent now and have a temper will spend the rest of eternity um, fighting each other. Okay, and I think that that fits the bill. Um, circle, sorry, this is in Roman numerals. Circle six is heresy, where all you heretics go. The heretics were souls who did not agree with the Christian doctrine. And they are lying in burning tombs. Okay. So for all of you people who decide to go against the church. And any, I, well, basically for anyone who's taking the after morning pill. For anyone who's using condoms during sex. Who, anyone who is engaging in a little bit of ass play. Okay. um, Well, y'all are going to, you're going to burn. You know, as it would turn out, you're going to be lying in tombs that are forever burning. Okay, which does sound terrible. Um, but there you have it. Um, the seventh circle is the, the circle of violence. 
The seventh circle is actually divided into three rings. The outer are murderers and sinking into boiling blood. The middle are the suicides who turn into bleeding trees, of course, like someone who, you know, hasn't been punished enough in the living world, you know, with depression. Of course, yes, we get to be turned into bleeding trees, which is quite morbidly beautiful, but still, you know, you don't understand why people who commit suicide are going to hell. But nonetheless, this is what this old Christian doctrine will have us know. Um, And the inner ring are the blasphemers and the sodomites who reside in a desert of burning sand and are scorched by burning rain falling from above. Well, catch me there in Circle 7 for sure, you know, panned out on that burning sand, you know, like factor 50, coconut in hand, you know, because the thing is, if we do end up in hell and if any of you guys end up in hell, you have to make the most of it, you know, you can't just lie in your forever burning tomb all day, you know, sulking, you got to get up and you got to make the best of it, okay, going on from the seventh circle to the eighth circle, what you can expect if you are a fraud, if you are fraudulent, um, the circle of hell is divided into 10 bolgias or stony ditches with bridges between them. Each bolgia has a different kind of fraud and punishment such as being whipped by demons or steeped in excrement. Um, and then on to the final circle of hell. The betrayers, treachery. The betrayers are stuck frozen in lakes of ice. The lake consists of four rings with the last level resided by Lucifer, Brutus, Cassius and Judas. I know. I mean, that is some scary stuff, you know? These these nine never-ending circles of hell. Um, but, of course, I've gotten you here. I've gotten you into the nine circles of hell and I will also provide a way out. Um, Now, I mean, naturally, look, what are you going to do? You're in hell and you want out, you know? Of course, your first instinct is going to be, you know, sucking some demonic cock. It's just, I mean, look, it's not pleasant for anybody. Nobody wants to do it, okay? But if you have to throw a little booty, you know, Satan's way, then you're going to do it. If that fails, however, the Catholic Church does have an ethos, I guess, on how people get out of hell since it seems like they are the ones sending them there. According to the Catholic Church, they believe that hell is the free, continual rejection of God's forgiveness of sins. The Church believes this rejection is by committing and refusing to repent for a mortal sin. So it would seem by the Church's own logic that the only way to get out of hell, apart from throwing some booty is forgiving yourself you know not being so hard on yourself and repenting you know oh my god like catch me (laughs) catch me out on that scorching desert or wherever on that fourth circle of hell oh my god I'd be gone in a jiff you know I would be gone in a jiff like I forgive myself you know or whatever is entailed like oh my god I wouldn't even have time to get checked in in the burning desert in circle four. You know, I would not even be in the elevator and I would have already forgiven myself. Um, Seems kind of easy though. You know, like are are these people in hell so, so morally corrupt that they're just incapable of seeking forgiveness? Like do these people like spend eternity in hell being punished every single 
every single, you know, millisecond because they just refuse to repent? I don't think so. But there you have it. If you ever find yourself in one of those nine circles of hell, you just got to stop beating yourself up. And that's your way out, you know, accept God's forgiveness and that's your way out. You know, it seems pretty fucking easy to me. You know what I'm going to do? After every horrible thing that I do on the daily, I'm just going to start forgiving myself. I'm just going to start forgiving myself. And, you know, I'm actually prematurely going to start forgiving myself for a lot of the horrible things that I intend to do. And I feel better already. Okay. Now, before we finish up, what I want to give you is this week's mini mind popper. And this one is a little, little more heartwarming, isn't it? Basically, we are going to Antarctica, okay? And a successful love story in Antarctica. We have a Tinder match in Antarctica. So, obviously, Tinder is popular across the globe. But it didn't have a connection on the least inhabited continent, which is Antarctica, until 2014. 2014 was Antarctica's first Tinder match. This happened in 2014 when a pair of research scientists, a man working at Antarctica's McCurdio station and a woman camping a 45 minute helicopter ride away, found that they had matched. But unfortunately for her, God does not want women to be fulfilled sexually, so she will spend out the rest of eternity getting her pussy whipped by a demon. That is it from me, you guys. Remember to look out for our new email, mindpopperspod at gmail.com. It is our communal dump. You see some fucked up shit, send it our way. Mindpoppers is also now on Instagram at mindpopperspod. Give us a follow. And if you're new to the podcast, make sure you give us a rating down below. In the meantime, I'm Adam O'Reilly for the Mind Poppers podcast. And you already know too. Stay woke. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.